Look, fuck you. Fuck the plane you flew in on. Fuck them shoes. Fuck those socks with the bell on it. Fuck your gay-ass fairy faggot accent. Fuck them cheap-ass cigars. Fuck your yuck mouth teeth. Fuck your hairpiece. Fuck your chocolate. Fuck Guy Ritchie. Fuck Prince William. Fuck the queen. This is America. My president is black and my Lambo is blue, nigga. Now get the fuck out my hotel room. And if I see you in the street, I'm slapping the shit out of you. Hi, hoes. It's off to pod we go. Welcome back to the Boondocks podcast. Uh, today we're discussing season three, episode seven, The Fundraiser, in which Riley takes over the school's candy bar hustle and floods the block with sugar. But when the competition comes looking for payback, it's all out war for control of the chocolate covered streets. Will the sweet life take Riley under? Now I won't, y'all. Spoiler. But um, <laughs> how y'all living? <laughs> fuck your car. Fuck your house. Fuck your... No. Um, I know, right? right? Like, that was the perfect... Oh, my God. Fuck your yuck mouth teeth. That's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Love, that was my absolute favorite, actually. Okay, Love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to start saying uh, this. Even if they don't me. have yuck mouth teeth. Yo, I remember, I think I did it on this podcast already when my mom one day was talking about the Queen of England and she's like, I hate how white people call black women welfare queens. The Queen of England is the original and biggest welfare queen on the planet. Ah, I was like, yo. (laughs) What (laughs) Ma. And and that's kind of... Everybody acts like that is our royalty. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not. They're not our royalty. They don't give a shit actually about Americans. Right. Damn sure they don't give a shit about any Americans that are minorities. Um, mm-hmm. So what do we care? I mean, it was very sad when when Diana, like that whole thing was very sad. Heartbreaking. Very sad. Um, and I like the, the you know, the black sheep of the, the family, the one that's married to the black girl. Harry. Harry. There you go. <laughs> yes. And the he's husband. the funnest one. He seems like he'd be the one that would turn up the most. Like you'd be able to. Oh, yeah. Harry, I think he grew up with everybody calling him the spare because his brother was the heir and he was the spare. And so he was just like, fine, I'm going to go down to Africa and I'm going to date black women. And my grandmother's going to fucking hate it and go crazy. And my grandfather's going to go nuts. And it's going to make my brother crazy. And, you know, I think the other woman he almost married was South African, but she was white. Um, but then when he met Meghan Markle, yeah. Well, you know, I was like, yeah. I remember them, I like, catching him, you know, at clubs or like he'd be out somewhere high. You know, like when he was, you know, in the military um, mm-hmm. and when he did his time there, like he was living his best life. And I think he, you know, he has some resentment definitely about his mother's death. Um, oh, I, think I think he still does. The, oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. I think that says a lot, though, as well as the resentment that he has. I think they, you know, something's known there. I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it's, it's interesting. I like them, though. I don't know if I really trust her, though. The what's her name? Meghan Markle. Why would you say that? Ah, uh, She just seems. um like there's alter like I feel like she's acting all the time. I 
but like she's it, an actress. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, but long. but also like you have to in that role. Like she is literally mm. like she has given up her entire career to marry this man. I don't mm. think she has an alternative motive there. Mm. I think she literally is like, okay, well, I know how I'm supposed to act in public. So I'm just going to put on that face. And then when I'm home, I'm going to be myself. And that was part of the problem was because she would be demure and like deferential in public as she should have been, but she wasn't that way at home. And like in front of the queen and shit, like she, she would stand up for herself and, and stuff. And they didn't like that. Um, and I, I haven't watched all of the stuff about it, but my mom is absolutely like brought me up because my mom's Canadian. Like, like I, when, when Diana died, I called my mother immediately because I knew that she was going to be devastated. Like that kind of, you know, like mm-hmm. I didn't pay as much attention as she did, but I understand all of it because of that. So yeah. And also, um, I always had a crush on Harry because redheads. Well, yeah, he's totally cute. <laughs> but Harry, let's not give him a full pass, y'all. I just know because I follow a lot. I don't of know. Life. He had trauma, shit, massive well, trauma that he, he's been working. Yeah, through. he did a lot of racist shit too, though. He had oh, a yeah, lot he of slip ups towards not black people, but Middle Eastern people, calling them ragheads mm-hmm. or towelheads or whatever. Yeah. Like he did yeah. some bad shit. Wasn't he? Over, wasn't he over there? Like then he, he served. He, yes, he served. I'm not saying that excuses anything, but. Yeah, yeah, he served. He also was a, a drunken idiot wearing a Nazi yep. costume at a Halloween party. Yeah, yeah Like, yeah. he's done stupid shit. But let's be perfectly honest, from the family that he came from, that Nazi uniform was probably a family heirloom and he was probably wearing it as a fuck you to his family more than anything else. Oh, my but God. Other than that, he was a he was a borderline alcoholic in his 20s. And everybody who is like that in their 20s, the stupid shit that I am, oh, sure, that, sure. They, that I am yeah. ashamed of, that they would be very ashamed of. But I feel the same way about Megan, too. Like, I, I, when she did that interview, listen, I believe everything she was saying. But at moments, like when her and Oprah are talking about, like, The Little Mermaid, I was like, girl, no shade, Megan, if you're listening, because I know you do. Um, <laughs> her and her right. were talking. And she's like, I'm just like The Little Mermaid. I was like, girl, you are giving me major narc vibes. I don't know that you are. But this, yeah, I feel like something. It's just something. I feel like anybody who is an actor, anybody who is in an acting profession, has to be a narcissist in Mm -hmm. some way because they are doing something expecting praise and expecting adoration. Like that's that is that's a perfect job for a narcissist that keeps them from hurting other people, (laughs) unlike Wall Street or like you know, Mm -hmm. being a teacher, CEO of Amazon, which all kind of align into today's episode. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but before we get to that, there's actually a couple of things in the news that I wanted to to bring up. Um, so I think the first one um, that probably affects the most people, listener wise, that we have uh, the whole Facebook thing with the their the whistleblower came out a couple of days ago saying Facebook fully knows how shitty they are and they don't care, and everyone in the world was like, "Oh, not surprised," and then. At noon Eastern time yesterday, all of Facebook's stuff went down magically at once. Um, yeah, I, I, first of all, no. <laughs> I do not believe that exactly noon Eastern time, all of Facebook's stuff goes down at the same time is a coincidence. Like that, 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 mm-mm. You don't act, you don't have a power outage or you don't have an outage that happens exactly at a specific time of like busiest part of the day, basically. I wasn't surprised. So, I wasn't surprised at all. I didn't even know until later on. <laughs> well, I knew because I use Messenger. 
Like I use Messenger as my primary form of communication to a lot of people. When uh-huh. Facebook came back up, I had to like message people and go, I need your phone number because I don't know how to fucking get a hold of you if Facebook goes down for good. Uh, so I like people really- using WhatsApp, you were saying that that's still not working. Like yeah. if that's somebody's primary form of communication, they might be shit out of luck right now. Yeah. So like we have evolved to that. Somebody like, I want to say it was a couple of months before the election, the last election, presidential election, um, someone was, Facebook went down then and somebody tweeted, y'all still on Facebook? I could never. And it was Stan, the uh, studio manager from Martin, dancing in front of cars to a Beyonce uh, song, like Sagittarius, <laughs> Aries, <Yeah>. Libra. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yo, that's me. Because y'all, are we still even using Facebook? I'm definitely not. One of my favorite YouTubers, like he and I were going back and forth on his channel. And he's like, yo, hit me up on WhatsApp. And I liked his comment, but I was like, friend, I do not use fucking WhatsApp. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg mm-hmm. can, uh, let me not say anything too disgusting. Mark Suck Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And let's leave it there because I was going to say something way worse. Yeah, I don't, I, the only reason why I still have mine is for business purposes. And because mm-hmm. people hit me up on there, they go, what's your Facebook? And I go, what? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Like yeah, my business passed for me. And he's yeah. like, what's your, like, should I put Facebook on there? I was like, no, put Instagram, Twitter, like in my email. Like, please do not. Like, it's not. And one, they make you do too much work. Like, if you want to have a separate business account, then you have yep. to have this. And then it's like attached to your Instagram. Like, oh, yeah, come on. Get the fuck out of here. Like, it's bad enough that I can't post what the hell I want on my shit without you guys being all in an uproar and blocking, like, my pictures right away. Um, or if I happen to, you know, post a song, you know, me riding in the car, then you guys want to be like, no. Do you own the rights to the song? You know I'm not freaking Drake, so of course I don't own the rights to the song. Like, come on. Um, This is totally my thing. There's so many of us, quote unquote, smart, quote unquote, people in tech. Like, why aren't we making our own better, not piece of shit platform that has all the features of Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, et cetera, and just doing our own our own shit on it? If we had that, I would hop right back on y'all. But as long as Mark Zuckerberg. MeWe is, is terrible, though. Like, me, I, but MeWe is basically like Facebook, but without all the sh- the Facebooky shit. Yeah. Who See, here's that? the problem, though. Well, I have no idea, but my problem with MeWe is that it's nothing. Like, there's there is nothing that makes me want to go to it. Well, it's <laughs> everybody's, everybody's on Facebook. About it. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, that's just a, right it's now, the same thing. It's, it's but we also have like there are already other things, but nobody is making them. Um, accessible to enough people for it to be worth it. Uh, like, I I hate the idea of Facebook, but it is the only way that I stay in touch with most mm-hmm. of the people that I know. Yeah. The only way. Like, Twitter is great for me to, like, scream into the void and, like, list, look at um, intellectuals and follow psychology stuff and teachers and social services stuff and find out what's going on in my city and, like, that from underground news and all of that. It's wonderful. But Facebook is where I see my friends. Facebook is where sure. I know how their life is going. For sure. You know, I, that, where I, I know they're still alive. <laughs> I lost a lot of mine. Like I said, when I left Facebook after mm-hmm. the second, first election, I lost a lot of my friends overseas, China, Korea, all of them. I don't even know yep. what's up with y'all. I don't know what you're doing. I hope you're living well. But man, fuck that little mannequin man. I'm not going to be a part of that. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, he's so weird. Like, I he's feel so like weird. he should really want the dude that played him in the movie to be like him. <laughs> Um, he's so weird. Like, he's just so weird. And I'm just like, it's fitting who you married. Not trying to talk a lot of shit, but you to marry anybody that has like a voice or an opinion. 
Um, I feel like that just lets you be the old creeping eye who wears the same fucking sweatshirt forever. Um, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. It just, he could easily become, like I said, him or Jeff Bezos, like I said before, could easily play the Lex Luthor or like some freaking mm-hmm. villain in a movie, mm-hmm. like in real life. Like, but other than being on a movie, it's our real life. Yeah. Yeah. It's our real life, right? What are we going to do? Bro. Yep. We're going to keep using it. I'm going to tell you one more time. We've been watching, uh, what's his name? Judge Mathis a lot on YouTube. I love and Judge Mathis. Uh, oh my God, he's been going through something because he sometimes is just really irrational. But if I hear one more, you know, one more case and it's like, she did this on Facebook. They put this on Facebook. They talked about me on Facebook. I'm like, you guys are hella grown and um, you guys are doing shit. I have all the comments to my messenger on Facebook, you know, and they'll print up. It's, it's so annoying and it's so like, what have we come to? Dumbassery. Even, I remember even being little, y'all. I used to be in Sailor Moon chat. And my my auntie blew the whistle. But I used to be in Sailor Moon chat. And I knew very well. Don't ask me how or why. I just knew. Anything you type in this fucking chat can somehow be read or traced or revealed. I don't know, man. I was young. It was the 90s. But I was like, yo, I'm, y'all, you're not catching me. You're not getting me caught up. So I used to be so good and so well behaved on the internet. And my mom would still, my auntie would still tell my mom, Oh, I don't know what she's doing up there on the internet. I'd be like, fuck. Oh, on fuck. that internet, she's doing exactly. something. Exactly. On that AOL. Right. Oh, God. You're, you're running the internet. <laughs> exactly. Now, yeah, you are. Look, now you're, now you're running it. Here's how it works. We all sign up for AOL. Sorry, I'm getting into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> fuck your Facebook. <laughs> fuck your WhatsApp. That would be fuck your, your me. Instagram. Oh, my God. So... I need you to do that. I know that you have some talent. I need you to go ahead and grab that clip, but then just go ahead and put those things in. Fuck your Facebook, All right. Your WhatsApp, your Instagram. Fuck yeah. That is fire. Right there. Your mm-hmm. Skype. Your, yes. What, what's that? Uh, your Snapchat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Snapchat has great filters. So OnlyFans. Would be Facebook, Instagram, OnlyFans, uh, WhatsApp. Sure. Yeah, the OnlyFans shit, but they at least, you know, unlike Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> They think, went, oh, oh, wait, we made a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> right. Tumblr was like, no, fuck your, your porn guys. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to put. We are not that anymore. Someone, uh, speaking of, I, 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 I started a How Are You Now for, you know, the other podcast mm-hmm. that I do uh, on Tumblr a while back. And I, hadn't, I don't go on there very often, but then I started going back in there and there's porn there. Still. Porn is back. Yeah. Porn is. I mean, it's porn the, is back on there. I mean, it's I, from what I understand, it's, it's being <laughs> blocked somehow <laughs> for some people. But yeah, there's. I mean, there's full on porn videos happening. Like how in you Tumblr, said it so. was so funny. You're like, but yeah. porn is on there. <laughs> porn, porn, porn's yeah. still on Tumblr, folks. So uh, you can I'm come back. It. Come on back, to Tumblr. Right. You don't really need Get it. What, what if that became their tab glide? Porn is back. Porn is back on Tumblr this Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern. No, they're listening right now. Like, shut the fuck up, Dean. What the fuck, man? I'm trying to get my rocks off. You're ruining everything. Oh, everybody got Pornhub. Come on. I was going to say, there's Pornhub now. You can watch some. You can pretty much watch porn still with with the free account. Yeah, but wifey doesn't know what I'm doing on Tumblr. She knows what I'm doing on Pornhub. Yeah, that's like the whole grinder Tinder thing. <laughs> grinder Tinder. Y'all, I don't know. This episode's gonna Dick be dingers. Wild. When you said grinder Tinder, I heard Riff Raff, Street Rat, like grinder <laughs> Tinder. I don't buy that. Sorry, y'all. Fuck. It's gonna be wild. 
<laughs> okay, so one more one more news uh, item that um, I wanted to mention before we get into this episode. Uh, the descendants of Henrietta Lacks are finally suing medical institutions who have been using her cells for decades mm. to create all of this, everything, every, just about everything. Like the fucking COVID uh, vaccine was sourced off of cells that came directly from Henrietta Lacks. Now, like, expound on that because I don't know who that is. You Oh, okay. Henrietta Lacks was a black woman in the th- 40s. Uh, 40s who I believe she had ovarian cancer. And uh, she... And it was a very specific kind. Yes. That, yeah. And she had... Yeah. Uh, the the cancer was the first of its kind that, that anybody in the scientific field was able to um, harvest the cells and reproduce them um, so that they could study them and, and you know, like learn from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did this without her permission or without her knowledge. And basically, like... Most, I mean, Dean's going to look at probably some information for me, but um, a lot of scientific breakthroughs in the last like 60, 70 years have come directly from taking this woman's uh, flesh without her permission. Yeah. Lax was an unwitting source of cells from a tumor biopsy during treatment for cervical cancer at John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore in 1951. These cells were then cultured by George Otto Gay, who created the cell line known as HeLa, uh, which is still used for medical research. As was then the practice. Wow. Yeah. The coronavirus, uh, no consent, too. No consent mm-hmm. was required to culture the cells obtained for blacks uh, treatment consistent with contemporary standards. Neither she nor her family were uh, compensated for their extraction or use. Wow. Yeah, and it's led to billion-dollar industries, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so her descendants are, uh, I'm not sure if they're, like, oh what the God. details are about the lawsuit, but they're basically saying, you know, this has gone on long enough that, you know, not a lot of people know about her and that, you know, her, she has not gotten the recognition that she deserves. Like, there's a statue of her over in, was it Detroit? No. Where was it? I'm, like, mind blown right now. First of all, anyway. I'm, I'm very upset oh, with myself for not knowing about this. Um, well, I, I mean, like, you, can, you can imagine the amount of Black history that has been... There's so, so much. That's not surprising. Yeah. So. yeah. This, is, this is the same era as the Tuskegee, uh, yeah, the Tuskegee the, experiments say, of not treating syphilis. Yeah. yeah. It's the exact oh. same time period. Okay. But we, we were never taught this. The time, but I, no, no, no. Yeah. This is not ever something us. that people talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's infuriating, though, what they've done to us and, you know, yeah. how much of this, this country and our existence now has been built upon the backs of <laughs> Black people or have come at the expense of Black people's health and lives mm-hmm. and, and livelihood. It's fucking mind-blowing. And they're still doing it. And right now, us as a community and as an ethnic group, we have the ability to kind of change that shit, but because we don't have access to the information, they don't want us to. Hence, critical, you know, race theory. No, we don't want the, we don't want the truth told. Um, like it keeps happening, and it's really mm-hmm. fucking sad. It's really sad. And like now, I have to make sure that my boys know about that because I always take pride in teaching them things that they're not going to learn. You yeah, know, look up look up Henrietta um, Lacks, so yeah. L-A-C-K-S. Wow. she's amazing. And I mean, she she. Again, she didn't know this had happened. The, yeah. Nobody informed her. Yeah. And she ended up, I believe she ended up dying yeah. of that cancer. Yeah, 1951. So, yeah, uh, sure 2021, Lax sued Thermo Fisher Scientific for past and ongoing unauthorized sales of Lax Gila cell line. In October of 2021, her estate filed suit against the pharmaceutical company alleging entitlement to a share of the profits. Essentially, they are asking for disgorgement of profits and equitable tracing. Wow. Snap I mean, that's in. like... 
billions of dollars billions. at stake here. Bill- yeah. Billions. <laughs> billions. Yeah. Um, wow. And like things like that, like, I mean, in my mind, there is some kind of change happening because things like that are starting to happen more and more. You've got that place in California, that like seaside area that had to, that gave it back to the black family that originally owned it. Um, you know, that happened over on the East Coast, too. I can't remember, like North Carolina or something like like million dollar properties that are finally being returned to uh families that had it stolen because of eminent domain. And really? like those are things that we're going to hear so much of because they're actually starting not not because of anything like like critical race theory, but literally because people are going, well, that shit wasn't okay. Now we yeah. need to do something about it. Yeah. And I think um, these people have more access to the truth now. Um, yeah. You know, things are, you know, they're still hiding it, but people are doing their, you know, preparing and then performing their due diligence to then go, what? You know, like they're finding out that, you know, um, the state of California is named after a black Amazonian queen, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, and people are like, no, no. And it's like, yeah, do your work. Like she, she was real. Like just, you know, Native Americans weren't always indigenous. Um, they were us. We were here as well. Like we, yeah. yeah. We don't have, look, we're already way too into it. So I'm not, I'm going to stop right there. But thank you <laughs> for bringing up something that I was not aware of because I will be looking further. Into yeah, yeah, I think, um, that that I don't remember when I first heard about her, probably like a, a biography or something on History Channel, because I have that on in the background a lot. But I know that there's even children's books about her now. Wow. Um, like I almost got one for my classroom. I didn't end up getting it just because COVID hit when I found out about it. But I believe there was a children's book to explain who she was, that this is somebody who basically influenced science, medicine everywhere so because... Do you know so, how many little black yeah. girls and black boys would probably be interested in science? Right. They knew that from like first grade, second grade. Right. Like, I, well, not just even that. There are so many black people, period, in history that nobody knows about because oh, yeah. they weren't important or deemed important enough because of the color of their skin. Yeah. I mean, the first, the first person to do open heart surgery was a black man. Mm-hmm. People don't know that, you know? Um, yeah. Home security system, black man. Um, gas mask or black woman. Gas mask, black man. Super um, soaker. <laughs> super soaker, yeah. The super, super soaker. soaker. Yeah. Traffic Very lights. Hmm? Traffic lights. Air conditioners. Hell yeah. Lights. Save yeah. lives. Yeah. Potato chips. Um, yes. Peanut like butter. So oh, peanut butter. Save my soul. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. The defibrillator. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And a lot of those things you don't you don't hear about. You definitely don't hear about it in school. You have to investigate yourself or you have to be privileged enough to have access to information like YouTube and know how to look up that information. Yes, and that's learn thing. it. Not and believing everything. That's what we're teaching a thirteen-year-old right, right now. Like, Critical thinking yeah. is lacking oh, yeah. in yeah. so many facets of American society. Not just America, you know, all over the world. But yeah. because we America have computers in general, of course. Mm. No, <laughs> no, we don't. We have unfettered access to yeah. all of the information in the world. We do not have the critical thinking skills to verify that information. One thousand percent. But I'm saying, and that's the problem. People now go, oh, because we have so much easier access to in- information. Right. They think that's what people are smarter. No. Them. Yeah. Yeah. No. Wow. No. I think people are dumber because there's more access to information. They think because it's out there, they don't have to actually that's learn anything. Yeah. yeah. They could just, somebody, somebody's doing it for them already. You yeah. know, and it's like, yeah, but you don't understand that that's from their perspective. It's not facts. You know, a lot of people don't know right. how to decipher the, the truth from the fake. So, And yeah. how to find out that information. Like, 
one of the one of the biggest complaints I have about grad school is the first class that they teach is critical thinking skills. Basically, they teach you how to verify information and how to back up information with other information and, you know, that sort of stuff. Normal people, and I say this with no, like, no snark whatsoever. Normal people do not know how to cite and understand sources. They do not understand that just because they, they see someone say, I'm a doctor, so listen to me. That doesn't mean that that doctor, even if they are actually a doctor, is correct. Right. And the whole point of science isn't that there is 100% an answer to everything. It's that we are continuing to learn and disseminate that information. But you need to actually like pay attention when things yeah. get updated. That's why there's <laughs> hypotheses. And guys, you know, that's why there's always hypotheses. And that's why there's always, mm-hmm. you know, somebody looking into something that we're like, didn't we solve that years ago? No, not really. We got the initial answer. But now this is 300 years later. So let's, let's try it. Mm-hmm. Let's swing that bad again. Um, well, you're right. it's, yeah. it's like the it's OK. So I think a really good example of not understanding how science works is the argument of, well, I don't trust the vaccine because they developed it so fast. But what what they don't know and what their what their lack of critical thinking skills is not telling to do is to figure out that there were 20 years of research on the base of that because people have been looking for COVID, for COVID vaccines in general, because that's not a single thing. That's a whole group of things. Yeah. And all of the research that's been happening since the 80s on getting, finding an HIV vaccine, all of that together is what created the COVID-19 vaccine. Because it's and yeah. Right. Yeah. And because of that breakthrough and the COVID-19 vaccine, they've actually figured out a breakthrough in the HIV vaccine and they're starting trials on that. So in a way, science has has hit like a, an acceleration point mm-hmm. because of the last 40, 50 years of work, not because of, you know, uh, you know, oh, they just started working on this vaccine a year ago. No, in reality, some of these things go back to Henrietta Lacks's uh, yeah. Uh, skin cells, body cells, you know. So, um, and that's, you know, the, the not knowing things like Henrietta Lacks, that's, that's part of the problem. Science had to start somewhere and the, the, the growth that it has done over the years has never been in the public eye until now. And, yeah. and that's where I get back to having all of this information doesn't make us smarter. All of these scientists, all of these, these researchers, grad students, um, PhD students are constantly doing all of these studies and putting them online. If you don't know how to read a, an academic study, it, you're shit out of luck. Like, it's hard for me to read an academic study and I am on a research track. So, like, it's yeah. not, academics are not made for laymen. It, none of that is, so, so the lack of critical thinking is almost um, a feature, not a bug. Yeah, it just you know? highlights the comments. I'm, I'm the with you guys, idiot. though. That's why, like, where people (laughs) say, like, I'm a fucking conspiracy theorist and stuff like this. Listen, I don't care what you learn. I don't care what you tell me. Gravity, like, let's talk about gravity. It is the theory of gravity. Mm -hmm. It is not a law. It is a theory. This is what we believe. Everything you learn on this fucking planet, exactly, is subject to um, exceptions and all kinds of weird shit. You have to take everything in with the, oh, okay, cool, cool. Don't commit it to fact. Don't commit it to fiction. Just accept it as what it is, but don't make any judgment off everything. I mean, everything. Just take it that way. Please don't feel like you know everything. Please, like you were just saying about 
uh, scientific papers, they're written the way they're written for a reason. They're written to mm-hmm. not be laymen uh, for a reason or easily understood for a reason. And you have to stand in front of a panel and defend everything you put out in the way you put it out for a reason. Like they do this shit on purpose so they can tell you what the truth is and kind of deny you the opportunity to really digest and consider that information as fact or fiction or a possibility or a theory. Like just take it with a grain of salt. I don't I don't give a shit. If you tell me ghosts are everywhere, they're molesting you right now. Oh, get out. Yeah, that's crazy. And move on with your day. <laughs> like that's the way I approach fucking everything. Like I'm being for real. I know it sounds ridiculous, that but example. that is really my approach to everything <laughs> no, yeah. on this planet and in this life. Because you don't know. The only thing you can know, I mean, really know on this planet is yourself. The end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. And, you know, the the fact that um, science is constantly trying to disprove itself, too, shows that it works. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's trying to take these theories and then break them. Because if it can break them, then obviously we don't know the whole thing and we need to figure out what we didn't know. But if they can't break them, well, then as far as we can tell right now, we have done everything we can to make sure that this is the truth until we learn something else. And it's going to be like the Just like we were talking about on the pre-show. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, the brain. We don't understand the fucking brain. But y'all are quick Mm -hmm. to get out here and say psychics aren't real. Intuitives are not real. uh, Astrology is not real, which pisses me off. Yeah, like y'all don't know. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, if you cannot tell me why it's not real, then you need to go sit the fuck down in the corner. That's my vibe. Like, y'all don't know how my brain works. Y'all don't know how I know the shit that I know. But you're big mad that I know it. Right. And that's all. I absolutely love that you just said that. One of the things. um, So uh, I have... In, in, in neurodivergent circles, uh, in groups where we congregate, we tend to have the same conversations that all mm-hmm. end up being somewhere along the lines of, you know, uh, um, when, you're, when you're trying to explain what neurodiversity is and, and you're basically like, it's a different operating system. Like my brain works in a different way than Dean's brain works. Dean is neurodivergent. He's got mm-hmm. ADHD. But his neurodivergence is a completely different uh, wiring than mine is. And because our brains are wired differently, there are things that, that he does that I absolutely cannot do and things that I can do that he absolutely cannot do. But neither of which, there's nothing wrong with either of that. And like neurodiversity basically is like, there are five gajillion different ways that your brain could be m- making pathways and that doesn't mean that in any way will it be the same as somebody else. Like, it, <laughs> um, let's see, how do I say this? Uh, uh, it's like you're saying about uh, about psychics and ghosts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if we, because kn- we knowingly, because of science, we know we use about 10 to 15 percent. No, what's, has it been? Yeah, I remember we looked it up. Looked that, it that's up. an old wives tale. It's, yeah. it's actually more like, it's, it's the, we use the entire brain. It's it's used, it, but it's used differently. There's some processes that happen without you realizing it. So the okay. entire brain is you. Okay. So my my point in that is like we don't know, we don't know mm. everything about the brain, and like it just kind of proved my point that uh, I didn't I didn't know that. Um, we we know so little about why the brain works and how the brain works. Like we know it's electricity and water and fat and blood. 
and other chemicals. Yeah. But that's the, like, how that's does it. that work? How does, how do having, you know, two nerves that are like this close, you know, I'm holding it like a half an inch apart, this close that they can create electricity across it. And that is a thought forming, you know, like well, it's what's interesting too, is yeah. that, but then also like dementia as Alzheimer's, right. Like they say that, right. that that happens to protect yourself and protect your brain, but it's such a debilitating thing. Like it actually, you know, the, the functions of the brain, as we know it, those are lacking, you know, those go away. Mm-hmm. You know, my grandmother's going through it really, really, really quickly right now. And so it's kind of like, wow, that's like, like I said, it ha- you know, it happened shortly after my grandfather passed away, which I think yeah. we could kind of expect. They've been together 60 plus years. Yeah. But it's like, mm-hmm. why is it that that's what the brain does to protect ourselves from a, tra- a trauma or a traumatic experience? You know, um, and that, that's what they say. But, you know, in 40 years, they may go, oh, it's the brain regenerating right. itself. And you're going to come back. Smart. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't know. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, we, we yeah. don't even know why we dream still. Like, there yeah. are still arguments in the scientific community about why people dream and why some people can remember their dreams and other people can't remember their dreams at all. Well, why you can make um, yourself a lucid dreamer if you really right. you know, study at it. Why you can, can acknowledge that you're in a dream while you're yeah. in a dream. How does yeah. that even work? Yeah. yeah. No, they don't fucking know. But they're not the the difference between. Um, actual science and I do my own research is science says, we don't know, but this is what we think where all of the quacks who are, who do their own research, this is what it is. Yeah. This is exactly what it is because this is what I research. No, 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 (laughs) nothing, nothing is black and white. (laughs) Fuck your thoughts, nigga. Um, But yeah, um, on that note, right? <laughs> I think that was a good, that was actually a perfect spot. <laughs> we do that. We're getting good at this. Uh, we know what we're doing. We're yeah. Good. Yeah. That was, that was good. Yeah. So yeah, this episode, um, episode seven, the fundraiser, if for those of you following along at home and watching this on HBO max or HBO plus or whatever it is, you might notice that this is actually episode six on there. That's because of. The story of Jimmy Rebel. Which is not available on that platform. Ah. So therefore. Or any other platform. Or any other platform, technically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> somehow we got to watch it. And if you if you have managed to have this be the first episode you've watched, go back. Go. Go back. There's episodes that you hadn't even heard about that we've talked about. I will say this. Anyway. We should have a few new listeners because I was talking this up this week when I did a couple yeah. of my demos this past weekend. So yeah. um, people were like, oh my God, I love that show. Totally going to listen. So we should have a couple more. Have more listeners. So nice. welcome. Tiny listeners. <laughs> All right. Let's begin. Uh, we begin with the camera zooming out, um, out on Riley's face as he's narrating about his ability to get money. As the camera gets farther out, we see that Ed the third, we see Ed the third with someone pointing a gun at his head and Cindy McPherson on the left side of Riley. As the narration continues, we see Riley walking down the street talking about not giving nothing to nobody. He passes a homeless man on the street and spits in his direction. Then we see Riley reclining on the couch and watching a movie. He talks about how studying gangster movies will help him know everything he needs to know to take over the streets. The narration is interrupted when Granddad walks in to chastise Riley for being lazy. Granddad wants him to get up and clean and take out the trash or find a hobby. Riley says that if he had an allowance, he could find a good hobby. Granddad said that he allows him to live there. (laughs) Uh, And... This that scene will will uh, be mirror flipped at the end, which I find really interesting um, and also matches. Uh, oh, one thing we should talk about before we get too deep in this episode is the fact that 
this episode has so many references to gangster movies like Goodfellas mm-hmm. and Godfather. And I mean, I'm sure there's other ones too that I will get to, but some of the stuff, Scarface, like in that opening scene, the music that was playing was a slowed down theme from Scarface. So like this, it's so intentional and every, every scene in this is pretty much referencing something, which I find awesome. Um, and that includes the taking the trash out, which is why I wanted to put, to point that out. Uh, so while he's taking the trash out, he comes across Jasmine. He rebuffs her greeting as she heads to the ring the front doorbell. Granddad answers. Jasmine is selling candy. He buys a box and grumbles at Riley and then closes the door. Uh, Riley chastises Jasmine or chases Jasmine down and asks her what she's selling. She reminds him about the school fundraiser for World's Ultimate Chocolates. The school fundraiser. I had to think back because I wasn't paying attention the first time. That's right, kids. It's time for World's Ultimate Chocolates annual candy sale fundraiser. I've got mine and I can't wait to get out there and sell, sell, sell. Then I remember why I forgot. The World's Ultimate Chocolates fundraiser is basically like selling crack on consignment, except you don't even get no money. How they gonna disrespect the game like that? If you raise $500, you can win a Hana Montana Lecticular Key Ring. If you raise $1,300, you'll receive a Jonas Brothers toothbrush and $5,000, and you can have this beautiful Chronicles of Narnia iPod case. All right, who's ready to sell some candy? Woo! Who has memories of that? What was the real talk? Was it was that what the real chocolate oh, company was man. called? Uh, I don't think that was what it was really called. It's but something world yeah, like, It had something back in the nineties and two thousands. It was definitely like the same two or three companies at every fucking school. Yeah, and I um, never won fucking anything. Like neither <laughs> did here's I. Because you're a racer. <laughs> here's your star shaped eraser. Like the fuck, I sold ten thousand dollars. Right, you, you get like a pencil or some shit. My mom would eat most uh, of it, and so she would end up paying for what she ate. Um, yeah, that's what I sold. And then it took maybe she took them to work to the office. Yeah, but if yep. when you have like more than one child in elementary school, you know, a parent that has like you better get in there early because whoever gets it first is who gets it. Um, Agreed. And I always had a problem with the candy. Like in this episode, he uh, Riley references buying candy, uh, last year's candy from store owners. And in my mind, that is exactly what school candy it, always was. Exactly. Like, was it, it always, always like felt ashy. like waxy. Or it was ashy in or, color. Like it wasn't yeah. like a pure chocolate brown. It was like this like right. tannish. <laughs> like it was always. And there was only one good one. You had to have the one that had nuts in it because that for some reason made the chocolate better. Other than that, you were eating shit chocolate. Like for real. Oh my god! I would usually, I would Y'all usually really get the caramel ones. Though? I remember that. <laughs> I would get the nut ones or the the like fake Nestle Rice Krispie treat. Oh yes, yes, yeah. right. <laughs> oh my god! I would now, give that shit to my mom and be like, "Can you take this to work and sell it?" And she fucking oh, yeah. would. <laughs> yep. It's, yeah. Oh yeah. One year, when my mom was working my corporate. Yep. Yep. You oh, get, and my dad you gave it to once, your dad mm-hmm. once. Once. And he sold that shit and bought a bunch of crack. <laughs> Y'all, I'm dead serious. <laughs> that nigga sold that shit and smoked it. <laughs> but that was the only time that happened. That was a lesson learned moment. But he should have done it before Riley was doing it, huh? He was like, fuck, fuck <laughs> your fundraiser. It's fundraising for me. That sounds like a Kevin Hart story for real. That sounds like what Kevin Hart was saying. <laughs> no, like, that's the real shit. Today. And my uncle no, David I paid for it. Shout out to that's Uncle David. Like, you you a real nigga. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. 
I know. It's, I was just going to say, I don't know. Um, it's, it's changed a little bit. I don't know how yeah. it was for, uh, for most people, but like in the last few years, um, so not the school that I most recently worked at, cause we didn't do that. They, they did not, we were a very high, low poverty school. So that was not something that they tried yeah, to force on the kids. Yeah. Luckily, yeah. um, the school I worked at before, uh, was actually the only time I have ever willingly purchased anything from a fundraiser like that because they did Cougar, Cougar Mountain cookie dough. And so it would be like a jug of peanut mm-hmm. butter cookie dough or a yeah, jug of chocolate chip cookie dough. Oh, fuck, that was good ones too, yeah. right? Well, the sports teams used to do so. And then you could freeze it and you, it would last you all fucking year. And, you know, it wouldn't be that nasty candy that tasted like wax. <laughs> I'm like, you're so cute a whole year. <laughs> Oh no, it never really did. Yeah, it was like if, three months. It, well, it depend. It would depend on if I we would remember that we had it. Honestly, that part. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you make all the cookies like in the first couple of months, you're good. But then if you forget it's in there, it's you know six Pretty months bad. later, you're like, oh shit, is that yeah. still good? See, when <laughs> I went to school, we sold Hershey's, so that shit was bomb. Really? That's why I couldn't have it. But like when I went to college, my friends' little siblings would like sell it, so we would buy the cookie dough and we smoked that. Of course. Yeah, uh-huh. that shit was gone within three months. Mm. I'm sure. Yeah. Gone. Well, now they do C's. Yeah, when hubby gets it, his volley, like the volleyball team, his school does it. And especially if he gets oatmeal raisin cookie, um, it's done. It's done. Like now, especially now that um, Deuce can, mm. you know, bake, we probably wouldn't even have it two weeks. Like that boy eats, like he acts <laughs> like everything is personally a challenge bought for him. Just to have fancy food. <laughs> like everything. It, nobody else in the house wants it. It's just for him. <laughs> But um, yeah, now, I mean, now things have gotten like so online. So you don't even like take the product. You right. get like a little, you know, here's my code. And somebody has to go into the website and then they order from there. Which was great in the pandemic and Girl Scouts could still sell Girl Scout cookies. I'm, I'm going to be honest about that. That was really cool. Um, and also that I could buy Girl Scout cookies from some kid over in, in New York that was, you know, raising money for a specific shelter or whatever. Yeah. Like that's not something like I... That's one way that technology has been awesome that, yeah. you know, yeah. when, when it's a good fundraiser that it can kind of stretch across, um, all of that. But I, I think the, the proliferation of the internet and things like that are why the shitty candy doesn't work anymore True. because people are like, no, I can get, you know, I can get actual Girl Scout or campfire mints or, you know, something like that, where I know that at least there's some quality assurance there. Like, yeah, so. <laughs> you can just get like the real deal. Like you could really right, or go to the store and just spend ninety store. cents like on five below. Man, you can buy candy there like in bulk for like two dollars. So me and these large chewy sweethearts, <laughs> we have an issue there. Like I try not to go to five below because I'm like, let me buy the box. Uh, um, but yeah, it's you, yeah, either that or people can buy the or they can get on and talk about how shitty the product is, which you don't want because you know that that goes from one person to a thousand people. You're influenced very quickly. Not the mm-hmm. one to ten and the ten to twenty, you know, the the old the normal, you know, how information spread, you know, how you gain customers platform. Now it's literally you go from one to a thousand in five minutes. So And it all depends. You you get more you get more attention for negative stuff than yeah. you do for positive, oh, which is sure. why the whole speaking of that Facebook thing, like basically the woman saying that while Facebook didn't specifically like try to steer people toward right wing stuff. These negative things were what was bringing people in. So they yeah. kept pushing the negative things. Yeah. And it's kind yeah. of that same thing. Anyway. We pissed her off. Right? Uh, all right. So uh, Riley recalls the teacher, re- finally recalls the teacher talking about it and how lame he thought it was because you don't even get no money. 
Jasmine shows him that she's already raised $4,000 in cash in her hand. And that's going to, you know, get her an iPad, iPod, an iPod, what is it? iPod cover from from Chronicles of Narnia, by the way. I couldn't not laugh every single fucking time the teacher said Hannah Montana. Yeah. Uh, every time I listen like, to the episode. Like, it's not a specialty. Like, it's Hannah fucking Montana. The Migos made a song out of it. It's not Hannah Montana. After Jasmine shows him that wad of money, Riley gets the best idea ever in his entire life. In their room, the boys are talking, and Huey's telling Riley that that idea is the worst thing he's ever heard in his entire life. You want to start a fundraiser with no cause? Cause, nigga. I'm the cause. Cause I want a house. Cause I want a yacht. Cause I want to get this guap, nigga. That's the cause. Huey tries to bring him back to reality. You watch a lot of gangster movies, right? I've seen all of them. That's how I know what to do. Okay. How many of them have a happy ending? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but see, that's how I know it's going to work, right? Because I've seen all the mistakes they made. And I'm not going to make them same mistakes. See, I'm going to do everything the smart way. Riley, I'm going to tell you everything that's about to happen if you do this and how bad this is going to end. First of oh, all... stop right there. Every time I want to do something, you tell me what's going to happen first. And then that's what happened. And you always ruin the endings and stuff, man. I'm sick of it. I want to be surprised this time. So no matter how bad it is, you don't want to hear it. Nope. Because it's really bad. Hey, spoiler alert, nigga. Didn't you hear me? Keep it to yourself. <laughs> So those those were, were three clips back to back, but basically all of them showing that Riley, while I, I believe that Riley actually like is kind of showing a little bit of brilliance in his ability to pull off what he does in this episode, it just kind of shows that he can't he can't separate real life from these movies that he idolizes. And, you know, he wants to be this this idea of a gangster that he has in his head. Um and I just I know for me, like the clips that I picked, uh, I I loved that Riley was like, I'm the cause. I'm the whole reason for all of this. I need money. So therefore, I am the cause. <laughs> but also, you know, Huey right there going, yeah, but like, I, I, I can see what's going to happen. And I just love that for once, Riley is like, dude, I know that you're always right. But like, no, I want to be surprised this time. <laughs> I just thought that was fantastic. This time. Right? Linz, I know that you had something you want to say about that, the gangster movies, right? Yeah. Like, for me, this one, listen, y'all. And yeah, again, I'm not trying to be on this podcast posing. I did not grow up in that life, but I grew up very much around it. And I feel like I have had, I have had this conversation as an outsider with a lot of my a lot of the people around me about getting into this kind of lifestyle. And my comment to them was always like, yo, like, you know, you know, I don't, if that's what you want to do, do it. Of course, I don't want that for you. But if that's what you want to do, do it. But like with this lifestyle, isn't it common knowledge? And I want to say like, it is common knowledge of people who grew up in the hood, but it's not. Like they have this romanticized view of everything they're getting into. But the reality is if you're going to get into this kind of lifestyle, that you are going to do jail time. I feel like people who get into it in a quote unquote smart way know mm-hmm. damn well if you're going to go into this, like that you're going to deal with getting shot, that you're, you are going to guaranteed spend some time in the clink. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm always like, what the fuck? Like y'all must really just not kind of look around you and you just kind of look at fucking I don't fucking know the baby music yeah. videos and shit like that and think like, this mm-hmm. is what I'm going to go through. Like y'all like, what the fuck? 
Remember Frank, who we hung out with last week? Where's Frank? You know, I don't know. So that was kind of just interesting to me and how like Huey's even like, yo, bro, listen, what? What the fuck? Like y'all live, we live this. I don't know. So that always kind of cracked me up. And I feel like too, and we're going to kind of get into this later. I don't care if you are huffing, I don't mean huff. If you're selling drugs legally, right? As a pharmacist, you're selling drugs or a sales rep, I should say pharmaceutical sales rep, or you're selling Mm -hmm. drugs legally, illegally as a dealer on the street. If the government decides that they're going to come after you, they are going to come after you. Whatever course you take in business, legal or illegal, depending on how big you get, depending on how smart you run your business, the government, when they decide I'm going to step in and shut this shit down, they're going to step in and shut this shit down. But I think we're going to get into this a little bit more later. And that just kind of is what it is to me. Like, there's no excuse if you are really about this lifestyle. Yeah. Like, y'all should know. You studied it, right? I studied it. I'm going to do it smart Mm because I've seen all the mistakes. But if you really did that, then you kind of know, you should know how this all goes and that prison or jail is in the books. Doesn't mean you have to stop doing business. I think that um, other than the, the, the whole, you know, you could die thing, I think Riley understands that he could go to prison and, and it's probably okay with that because he has romanticized that in his head. Um, mm-hmm. I think the idea of it being worse than that is what he's just like, nah, nah, man, whatever. And it's not until later with like, you know, the the car bomb where he's like, oh shit, yeah, this is, th- this is more than just that. Spoiler alert. Well, that but, was- yeah, <laughs> but really like, you know, it, it kind of goes to what I was saying before. Like as we're, as we're talking about this, Riley does show that he has studied these movies. He, he predicts what's going to happen in a way that, you know, usually keeps him one step ahead. And he's really smart about it until he gets to the point where he's like, all right, this is how it ends. Well, I think so, that's the whole message. Like so many um, in yeah. black culture, we love yeah. Scarface. We love like, and especially yeah. rappers and stuff like that. Like Goodfellas, freaking Casino. Casino is probably my favorite. Like Casino and Goodfellas, like good, good shit right there. But I think it's because that, you know, it's like a, uh, the underdog coming up from usually, you know, not very good economic background and then mm-hmm. being able to get to the same level. So the same people that disrespected you, the same people that underpaid you, the same people that didn't want anything to do with you, you're on their level now. And you're on their level for providing them with drugs or something that is supposed to be so, so bad and mm-hmm. silly, you know? So it's like, but now we're at the same level. Um, and it's because, oh, I have your Coke. Here you go. You know, here you go, mm-hmm. uh, president of the bank or whatever else it may be. So I think it, it's kind of like this, like I said, this uh, rags to riches story, but nobody ever pays attention to the rags to riches to jail or rags to riches back to rags, you know, aspect of it. So and nobody thinks that they're going to become the, the what, what was it, the, the behind the music? Like yeah. nobody, nobody thinks that they're going to become that, that, that person that has a tabloid show about them. They, mm-hmm. they all believe that they're going to have the, maybe a true crime pot like thing about them yeah. because they were such a good gangster, but. No, they, n- none, nobody, nobody goes into that life thinking, well, I'm going to die before I'm 20. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, unless they're joining that life to potentially avoid dying before they're 20, which is absolutely a thing. Oh, yeah. Because um, a lot of them think they, they've been told that they're not going to live past 25. So they have to do that. Yeah. 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 So, and speaking of that, uh, when we go back to, um, as all of this is happening and Riley doesn't want to hear Huey, you know, tell the truth, 
Huey gives Riley a bulletproof vest and it's <clears throat> wishes him luck, you know, basically saying, all right, you won't listen to me, but please wear this. Um, I love that Riley's like, it's still kind of a spoiler uh, because that's true. It is kind of a spoiler, mm-hmm. but you know, in a way his brother is just trying to look out for him and knows, I think both of them know how it could end up, but Riley clings to that romanticized version that we were yeah. saying. Yeah. So uh, next we have a montage of candy and money being exchanged. Riley's narrative continues as he talks about the rules of fundraising, uh, especially how that because people are just giving you money, it's not illegal. The focus ends up with Riley at a dinner talking with Jasmine and another classmate, Phil, uh, because they're the two top candy sellers and he'll need their help. Uh, now, let's, uh, I don't know if you read ahead to any of the trivia that that Dean collected. I was really happy that he put this in there because I had noticed it, but I wasn't sure if anyone else did. Uh, that Phil is the same kid that Ed Wensler III had kidnapped uh, by mistake mm-hmm. and interrogated. Yes. Yeah. So we, we see him again, actually, you know, working potentially with Ed III, which I find funny. Um, Came Riley convinces. Hmm? They became homies. That built yeah. Up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Make some money. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Riley convinces them to work for his cause because World's Ultimate Chocolates are secretly funded by the KKK and Al Qaeda. So they're in, obviously. Uh, Jasmine builds the website for their fundraiser and collects the money that Jasmine and Phil have. Wait. Um, and Riley collects the money that Jasmine and Phil have collected from their candy sales as startup money. Um, Jasmine keeps asking, you know, what, what is the cause for? Is it, does it have to do with animals? Uh, you know, Riley, what, what did he say something? It's about kids and gangs and stuff, but she's like, well, will it help animals? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. So foreshadowing. Um, but my favorite line in that, in that scene was why I mentioned the bulletproof vest because they're literally like, Riley's like, why are you so worried? And they're like, you're wearing a bulletproof vest. (laughs) Like, why, why are we, why are you not worried? (laughs) That didn't stop me, though. Riley then uh, narrates about Cindy McPherson, a.k.a. C-Murder, and how she controls the whole Girl Scout cookie operation. We see Cindy confront another girl for not being down with her crew. So she beats her up. Uh, They basically have like a slap fight with the other girls. Right? That shit was so funny. (laughs) Riley rolls up as the girl is running away from Cindy's crew, he talks to Cindy about coming to work with him to sell his candy. Um, I love the line, uh, she, has le- uh, she has less compassion than the average girl. And that's yeah. why Riley liked her. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, like, I, so um, we have a friend that's kind of part-time staying with us right now and they were watching this with me today and hadn't, you know, hadn't seen any of the episodes before. And they were basically just like, uh, when I, when I tried to kind of explain that Riley and Cindy were two sides of the same coin, it like that made sense to them. But before that they were like, that white girl is kind of acting, um, stereotypically. I'm like, yes, I know. <laughs> I was like, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. That is the whole point. Like Riley's friends are all these white kids that think or want to be black kids. And I just, I, it's, Trying to portray what they think everyday life is like, and it's right. so not. Right. Not for many of us. For some, but not for many. <laughs> uh, so as the operation is taking shape, they find they have everything they need, so they hit the streets and sell. Unfortunately, all the houses that they go to have already bought candy from the school fundraiser. 
Riley heads home and tells Granddad how bad the candy sales have gone. Granddad tells Riley that he is proud of him, which is probably one of the most genuine uh, parental moments that Granddad has with Riley ever. Um, but then, of course, when Riley asks him if he wants to buy some candy, he, he's like, get the hell out of here with that shit. Uh, so then Riley, Cindy, Jasmine, and Phil, they begin discussing strategies Uh, Cindy wants to scare the other kids from selling, basically wants to, you know, beat them up and scare the shit out of them. So they'll they'll either work for them or not do anything. Right. Uh, Jasmine suggests that they recruit the other kids to sell for them instead uh, instead of the school by offering them cash. Uh, Well, first she she was like, give them better prizes, but they kind of settled on cash being something that would actually work. Yes. Yeah. An eraser or keychain. Right. Uh, Riley continues with discussing the cost of business and how they have to pay people off. He gets called to the principal's office to see the school principal. I can't believe this. Shame on you. Shame on me? What? You better than me? The state puts you in charge of these kids and you turn around and pimp them out to some second-rate candy racket. You disgust me. I'm curious. What's your cut? How much does the school get? How much is your soul worth? 5%. 5%? All right, fine. I'll match that. Can we go now? Uh... Fair enough. J. Edgar Hoover Elementary likes to see its students giving back to the community. I don't give to nobody. <laughs> so I, I love, I love that particular part right there because it really does feel sometimes at schools that really push that fundraising that they're it. It's almost like <laughs> okay. Um, it's it's it is almost like they are uh, selling their morals a little bit for this capitalist idea of, of somehow making money for the school and really pushing it. But in reality, it's a, it's a shit amount of money that they get for the amount of work that these kids actually put in. Um, I have heard of schools making some major bank, but I can guarantee you every one of those schools was similar to kind of what's referenced in this with like parents taking candy bars to work and, you know, being able to like sell them mass to, to the rich people that they know. Um, and that's not necessarily something that most schools can do. I wonder how like the box tops for schools, like if that actually ever it's, comes out with a lot, you know, because for a while we were totally doing it. I mean, I have like, I know it's still happening right now that I could probably, you know, do the box tops from, um, what's really funny. It's the schools that are more in like suburbs mm-hmm. that do it. So like hubby school, you guys have never done box tops for schools, a charter school. So it's my, very interesting. My theory about that having worked at a school that had a uh, large PTA presence of stay-at-home moms and, you know, only working part-time moms Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, And also working at other schools where very little PTA uh, um, presence because nobody had time for that. Yeah. I definitely saw the box top thing and all of the fundraiser things I saw more in the well-off schools that that had like more parent ability to 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 do stuff like that yeah the last um, time we did it is when the boys were well when deuce was in um we when we lived in the oh, southern Wahite school yeah the wahite school yeah yeah uh, uh, you guys don't know what a wahite is spelled write nope. it down and then <laughs> and then you'll see no white um, uh, yeah I, I got it yeah got it. okay i wasn't sure i wasn't sure i like that for a second. <laughs> I the wahite um no but when he was in the more suburban um mm-hmm. schools that's when we saw it. And that's when we were doing it. And I was like hardcore about it. I would take like gallon size, you know, uh, sandwich bags and or, you know, Ziploc bags in and be like, I've collected them all, you know. And but now that I think about it, I don't think there was anything that was ever like, 
here's the new playground, courtesy of the box tops or... Yeah, you know, no. Yeah, I don't think I, I ever... Same with California Lottery. It was a few hundred dollars every year from from my at least at the schools that I worked at. Yeah, well, my kids were going to school and they would have to do those fundraisers. I refused to sell because I didn't want when I was. This is when I would actually work in an office. I refused to take them in because I told them, "I promise I will never sell you my kids' crap if you promise never to sell me your kids' crap." <laughs> and that was that. the deal. Uh, I have people like that in my office. I had a guy that sat across from me named Steve who did that, but then he would always go just random times, just like come and throw a 20 at me. Like when he bonus, <laughs> you know, he'd come and throw a 20 and be like, it's for your boy. And at this time, I like I was pregnant during my first year there. And so he did it the first couple of years and it was more like here's some diapers or, you know, something like that. But he was definitely one of those. that was like, don't bring, don't bring that shit over here. <laughs> Somebody walked down the aisle and they had, you know, papers that were in their hand that obviously was an order form. Nah, nope. He'd pick up the phone, act like he was on the phone or some shit like that. Um, but yeah, I same. I mean, kind of, kind of the same thing. That's where my dad got to. So my mom would take it. She was in the office. My dad worked at Hostess. He's like, we get fucking candy or sweets. Like, what do I? I'm not gonna go and sell them some waxy, like waxy ashy right. candy bars when we get <laughs> <laughs> we get ding dongs on deck, you know. So yeah. Uh, so next, Riley uh, gives the details about how their operation works from recruiting sellers to getting parents to send money to, to a PayPal to buying candy and then delivering and even expanding into other schools. Um, and now this is where you really see that, that Riley, uh, this is where his studying like comes out. Like he, he's like, there's no money exchanging hands. We're not talking anybody into it. They, they put the money into the PayPal. They do everything through the website. And, you know, we don't have to deal with any of it. They choose for themselves. They become private sellers, basically. Um, you know, and he recruits all his friends to come and help. Like Thugnificent delivering the candy uh, and stuff, which I just find so great that it's yeah. such a, such a low-key um, cameo. Like there isn't a single... Thugnificent line in this episode, no. really, that sticks no. out, except for here's your candy and that kind of thing. But you see, that kind of means like, hey, right, and Riley even has like the people that ride for him or that he's fans of, like, they'll even do something for him. Right. They're but all I crew now. They're all friends. The fact, yeah. I think it's more because of the fact that it's something that's like borderline criminal, mm-hmm. you know, that he's it's skirting it. the lines. Yeah. 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 Uh, back at the house, Riley is throwing wads of, cra- of cash to his crew. Jasmine says that they can't do that because it's for the animals. Riley encourages her that they should be able to spend some of the money on themselves as it's just operating expenses. Later, as Riley tries to walk or as is walking down the hall, he passes Huey, who asks him how things are going. He says that they're fine, that he doesn't want to hear anything that Huey has to say. Going so far as to cover his ears and saying, la, 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 when Huey tries to tell him something about Jasmine. He really should have listened, but we will find that out in a little bit. Riley's crew is setting up a candy booth on the street when a car pulls up. A man with a British accent tells them that all the chocolate is bad for their health. Cindy grabs a bat and chases them down the street, down as they speed away. Uh, Riley has determined that they need a better space for the operation, so they move into the quote-unquote Scarface suite at the downtown hotel. Um, As they walk into the room, they see a cleaning room. A cleaning crew is cleaning up a crime scene, which, of course, makes Riley like it so much more. Then we're back at the Freeman house and Granddad comes to confront Riley about his fundraiser. Riley uh, basically, you know, asking him, where's the money supposed to go? Uh, Riley changes the subject, redirects him to, let's go look outside because there's something he needs to see. They walk outside and Riley points to a car. Granddad recognizes it as the the Gibbs Aquata, a car that can also go on water, uh, which in the, uh, which dream was it? Um... Which episode was it that he had the dream that granddad interrupted 
because he talks about the car that turns into a boat that turns into a car in that dream. And then this is in real life. <laughs> uh, so Grand is very excited. He has wanted that car forever. He calls Riley uh, the, his best grandson ever. Um, back at the hotel, Riley is getting a, a, a massage and a pedicure when the principal calls him to tell him that they have a problem with the world's ultimate chocolate people. It paid him a visit and really scared him. Riley doesn't give a shit. Basically, he's like, nah, I'm, you, you can be out. I don't care. I'm done with you anyway. Um, then we see Granddad wearing a tuxedo, riding around in his new car boat out on the lake with Huey and Tom. Uh, Granddad expresses his admiration for how well Riley is doing. Tom does the same about Jasmine, but he's concerned about all the money. Uh, I love that Tom um, is showing off his daddy medallion that Jasmine had gotten for him. Uh, that's something every, almost everybody in this episode ends up with a medallion of some kind by the end of the episode. And his is, his is, um, the most questionable in my mind. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that a diamond encrusted daddy necklace is really the, what, what, what Tom thinks it is. <laughs> um, so Huey interjects to tell granddad that they have to stop Riley before it's too late. Granddad dismisses Huey and tells him that he needs to be more like his brother, basically doing stuff for Granddad to make Granddad's life better. During a montage, Riley details how the world's ultimate chocolate people started trying to break up his operation by intimidating everybody involved in it, uh, like knocking down booths and stuff. Uh, although I love that we do see Cindy kicking uh, one of them in the balls, <laughs> which is just my favorite part. They can't intimidate her in any way. Um, they even go so far as to kidnap Jeff. Jeff and drop him in a bathtub of melted chocolate. Uh, <clears throat> and speaking of the medallions, this is where you can see that all of Riley's crew are wearing YR necklaces for young Reezy um, in kind of the same style that like Thugnificence were and like Onesler's W that he wears. So everybody, everybody's got a crew and a medallion for their crew. Riley gathers the team together to give them instructions. All right, we just gonna stay cool and keep doing what we doing. And just ignore all this? Come on, man. These guys ain't no gangsters. They make chocolate. Yeah, so, oh, Lindsay, I know that you had something you wanted to say about that. Yeah, like, I'm just kind of like, listen, y'all. I don't care if it's moving chocolate, moving whatever y'all are doing. It's all the same business concepts and it's really just repeated over and over again. Mm -hmm. Like Riley's whole scam here is very like multi-level marketing kind of shit. Mm -hmm. And like, even if you guys watch that WeWork special that's out on Netflix right now, this episode was giving me such WeWork vibes and like how that Adam Newell, Newham Dude, guy. That, this is God, that shit's crazy. Yeah. And I, I skirted but, that so much because they were hitting me up when they first were trying to expand, asking me to run an office mm -hmm. here in Sacramento uh, if I wanted to. And Girl. I was like, uh, yeah, that's crazy. <sighs> it's the same shit. It's the same shit Riley is kind of here doing. And I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, this is kind of my thing. Like whether you're legal business, your illegal business, one, it's all the same kind of mental tactics. It's all the same basic theory for your business. Um, and like how you know, at this point we see like, okay, Riley's whole thing is kind of crumbling. And it's still like, no, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. And, you know, these people aren't It'll real gangsters. Out. They make chocolate. 
Yeah. But they're all fucking gangsters, all of them. I don't care if it's fucking heroin salesmen or if it's fucking uh, Cinda who sells you your Mary Kay makeup. Like, this is all what they do. <laughs> if it's my all pillow I guy, really like, mean it doesn't it. matter. Like, if <laughs> yeah. there's money involved, yeah, if there's money involved, I completely agree. If there's money involved, then you're, you're definitely always, you're going to get a lot of this gangster type of mentality, this, you know, by any means, means necessary type of mentality. Um, especially when people hold themselves on a, you know, a pedestal and they think that they're bigger than what they are and that they're more relevant than what they mm-hmm. are, um, which is where Riley, I mean, Hey, he's eight and he's Riley. So that means, you know, that that's Riley. That's, that's kind of him. Um, uh, but like you said, with the, we work situation or anybody that's like a grown ass adult, come on, take yourselves out of it for a minute and really do what you say you're doing it for, like for the good of this or for the betterment of this or whatever. It always comes down to money. As they're all talking, Thugnificent and Ed the Third walk in with a big box, uh, a four-foot slab of chocolate. They open the box and out falls Jeff, encased within the chocolate like Han Solo in Carbonite. Uh, They get him out and he recounts that it was the world's ultimate chocolate, guys. Jasmine and Phil are totally scared and run off. Riley is not discouraged. Neither really is Cindy. Granddad steps out of the front door of the house, again in his tux, followed by Huey and Riley. Huey is trying to tell Granddad to not get in the car. He doesn't listen and keeps walking toward the car. He presses the remote to unlock the car, and the car explodes. Riley has an epiphany. You want to be in this business? You got to pay the cost of doing business. And when the costs get too high, you get out of business. You always got to spoil something, huh? So just the fact that Huey is looking at him after the car explodes, Riley's like, yeah, yeah, I know. And let but nobody also, have nothing. Mm-hmm. But also the fact that that Riley recognizes that he really needs to get out of this or someone's going to get seriously hurt, even though he'd been playing it off before that point. Um, I think it's it's for for this eight year old who does not quite understand the ramifications, the long term ramifications of things that he does. It is rather admirable that he goes, oh, my friends are my friends are going to get hurt. I should probably stop doing this. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, do, do, do. Uh, Ed the third drives Riley and Cindy to the hotel so that Riley can shut down the operation. While walking up to the building, a homeless man confronts Riley. Hey, look, look here, brother. Can you spare uh, some money for a starving African? Hey, you never know when you might need some good karma now. First rule of fundraising. Don't give nothing to nobody. But I ain't no fundraiser no more. Thank you so very much, brother. Unjambo. Good luck to you. <laughs> Now, I know, Lindsay, that this is one that you picked, but I absolutely love this because it's mirroring the beginning of the episode where Riley is walking past a homeless man and spits in his direction. Mm-hmm. But instead, this time, he gives him a $100 bill. Um, and that's, that's <laughs> it's not because of the goodness of his heart or because he's, you know, oh, I'm going to give this to a homeless man. It's literally just, I kind of give up. Here, I'm going to give you money now. You know, even though I would never have before, you know? But what do you think, Lindsay? For sure. Like, I was surprised they didn't do more with this whole kind of interaction throughout the show. And mm-hmm. I feel like they did they did touch on treatment of other people in a few other scenarios, like with the kid who's like encased in chocolate. Like, yo, listen, if again, if you're doing legitimate business or you're doing a legal business, I've seen it, y'all, on both ends of the spectrum. You better really watch the way you pe- treat people who are sort of like, in the vicinity, like, that's why I felt like, oh, this character, like the homeless man was going to play like a bigger role in this. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I guess they're kind of doing it as just like a good karma situation. But like the way you treat the people who are close to you in an operation, like you can be a totally legit business. And if you are treating the people around you like shit, they're going to flip on you and expose your ass. If you are treating the homeless people who are sort of aware of what you're doing like shit, they are going to flip on you and expose your ass. Like they didn't get into this in the episode, but I just kind of thought like, huh interesting that you keep kind of bringing this up, but not really kind of getting into it. You cannot run any kind of operation legal or illegal and not treat the people who are kind of around you with some like return on investment or hush money or just good treatment. I don't know. This, it was just an interesting element of the show to me. Like, yeah, it makes total sense. Shit. Or they say like a, a hit dog will holler. Mm. Y'all, okay. just a side note, because again, they didn't do much with it in the episode, but I was like, hmm, okay. Right. No, that's a, it's a really good point. Um, in movies like, I believe in Scarface and in Goodfellas and in definitely in The Godfather, it shows these gangsters in their community, like giving back to their community almost, you know, like spending money um, and like high tipping mm-hmm. the, the people in the restaurants and, you know, like making sure the kids have money for candy and, you know, just little stupid shit that makes the, the, the people around mm-hmm. them respect them and want to protect them and kind of give them that cover. It um, also humanizes them though. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, a lot of times yep. in reality, um, a lot of those people don't feel humanized by people with money. So, uh, the fact that Riley does it in my mind is almost a, the, the way that this happens is almost antithetical to what I would think would happen. Um, the way that Magruder or Magruder uh, was going in the, in the direction. Like, it's like you said, I almost expected more to come out of that interaction because in most gangster movies that he would have been watching, he would have seen that kind of an interaction with the people around, you know, he, he hit on, you know, he talked about like, sometimes you have to pay off people. Like he had to pay off the principal and principals at other schools and things. But he didn't talk about like the fact that there's more than just the people in charge that need to be greased to contribute to things, you know. Anyway, that was what I got out of that. Yeah, no, no, no. I got yeah. you. No, totally with you. Yep. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Um, so as they walk into their suite, they see a group of men, one of them sitting behind a desk. Riley is shocked. Ed the third reaches for his gun, but a man behind the door gets the drop on it. At the same time, a car pulls up in the front of the hotel and a bunch of serious, serious looking dudes get out and head into the hotel, all of them carrying very long cardboard boxes. Uh, Riley is sitting in a chair in front of the desk across from a British man who introduces himself as Alistair Rigby. <clears throat> he tells Riley that he's, he's the man who's been stealing, he's been stealing from, and he's more than upset about it. Alistair tells Riley that he will now work for him and he will give him a 10% allowance. Uh, So this goes back again to earlier with, you know, Riley had been asking for an allowance in the beginning. Now he's basically being given the choice of, I will give you an allowance for you to keep doing the thing that you're going to doing, keep doing. But if you, if you say no, I'll I'll kill you. (laughs) So he delivers that ultimatum and asks Riley what's going to be. Riley ponders for a moment and as shown in our intro clip, uh, tells Alistair to fuck off. Alistair tells his henchmen to teach Riley a lesson. Just then, the men from the car burst into the room. They're Italian mobsters and they've come to take over the chocolate business. Guns are pointed at everyone. Alistair belittles the Italians and their leader shoots him in the head. 
The head mobster explains that chocolate is the only thing that's moving these days uh, and that this is a hostile takeover. If at that point uh, everyone had been able to leave the room, everything would have been fine. Um, I believe that they were going to give the let let the children walk free. Um, they would have to work for them, of course, but you know they were they were going to live. Um, but uh, right at that point, the FBI SWAT team bursts into the room through windows, and uh, everything gets chaotic. And one of the Brits gets nervous and shoots, causing everyone to start shooting. Riley, Cindy, and Ed III are all hiding behind the couch during the firefight. Um, People are dying all around them. Uh, Finally, Ed jumps up because he's got this idea somehow of, you know, how he wants to live his life. And he starts starts shooting. Um, A bullet then uh, flies right at Ed. And if it hadn't been for the big W on his chest, uh, the the necklace he was wearing, uh, it would have gone into him. But instead, it knocks him around and then knocks him out. Uh, Riley and Cindy see this and they're able to make a break for it and they run out of the hotel. Uh, Oh, and during all of this, I wrote a note. There was, um, during some of the confusion, it wasn't something that we could get to record because it was just kind of like background noise. But at one point you can hear uh, after the FBI guys are starting to shoot, we paid you off. Why are you here? (laughs) Like the Italians are like, dude, we gave you money. So another thing about the payoffs. Um, Back at home... And the girl CJ says, I want to go home like uh yep. Yep. door neighbor crying. did the same thing. Yeah, that's right. Uh all right, lost something that I thought that I had pulled up for this. Oh, look in a minute. Uh back at home, Riley is conf- uh, confronting Jasmine about the money situation. Jasmine tells him that she's donated it. Riley is pissed and yells at Jasmine for giving away the money. He asks her who she gave the money to. We then cut to a woman at a desk opening a letter and answering a phone call. She works for PETA, the people for the ethical treatment of animals. As she opens the envelope, she extracts a shining golden check. Shocked, she drops the phone. (sighs) Anyway, end of our episode. Finally, Riley comes back into the boy's room. He is upset because Huey didn't tell him that Jasmine was going to give away the money, which, of course, you know, Huey was trying to do at one point. He throws his bulletproof vest down at, at Riley's feet and walks out. Huey looks down and sees that there is a bullet lodged in the middle of it. Riley is then seen walking out the front door to take out the trash and is back to being a quote-unquote loser. Uh, Just then, someone walks up to him with a wad of cash asking if he was still selling candy for the charity. He thinks about it for a moment and basically relives everything that happened in this episode in like a half a second. And a sly grin grin comes across his face. Mm -hmm. And then we go dark. Um, The fact that uh, Huey knew that Riley was going to need a bulletproof jacket, bulletproof vest, the fact that uh, Huey knew that you shouldn't trust that car because something's going to happen. Like, Huey is the magical Negro in this episode. Um, (laughs) Huey always seems to know kind of what's going to happen. But in this particular episode, it was prophetic. Like, he he knew about Riley was going to get shot at. He knew that the car was going to blow up. He knew that Jasmine was going to probably do something stupid and give the money away. Like, it's it's a bit of a trope, but also it's kind of perfect for this this episode of showing um, Riley going from wannabe gangster to basically being a gangster to realizing that's not necessarily the life he wants, but maybe. And what I liked about it is that Huey let him. Like, yeah. gave him his warning, but yeah. he let him overall. Um, Which is the only like way people it, are like, going to learn. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> what happens in the gangster movies, though. Mm-hmm. Like, there's always somebody who's hip to what's going on, and they try and warn the person now, they benefit from it sometimes throughout the movie, just like Grandpa did. 
you know, um, and maybe residually that person that was the, you know, the, the op, I'll say, or the, you know, the mm-hmm. pessimist in the situation. But overall, it ends up coming full circle, much like life, you know, what ends up happening in certain situations. So I did, I definitely did observe that. And it's a lot of like a casino at the end of it or like Goodfellas where I think both of them kind of had an epiphany. Um, you know, both main characters had an epiphany in both of those movies, um, which I love. Now I'm, I want to go watch both of them. I, I was really actually like five o'clock in the morning. I was kind of feeling that way too. It's like, I kind of want to, I can't remember. I know I've watched all of the Godfathers. I don't remember liking the third one, but I know I've watched them all. I know I've watched Goodfellas, but it's probably been 25 years. Easy. Ray Liotta looks nothing like what he <laughs> Right? Jeez. Now he's in like um, old commercials, infomercials and shit. Man, this one was, this one was fun. There's a lot of good trivia. Yeah. It's called the Fund Razor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the website was the Fun Razor. The Fun yeah. Razor. Good job. Look at that. All right. Resident white person. Do we have uh, any questions? Uh, well, I, 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 I do now. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, but, welcome. Because, uh, yeah. And, and it's funny. I should I should have known this. But, yeah, let me go ahead and hit the, uh, you yeah. know, the a little bit of the. Uh... Welcome to Stupid White People Questions. You mean I'm going to stay this color? <laughs> Never gets old, <laughs> right? So, so anyway, um, this is this is a sentiment that I've heard uh, in in both ways. This goes: Why would you use the term "black" to describe yourself instead of African American, or vice versa? <clears throat> I'll be very honest. I'll, can I say this first? Yeah. I hate when people refer to me as African. Same. I am black. I'm black American. You can even call me brown. I am like, and don't get me wrong. Anybody that may be of African descent, but I can't do my ancestry that far back. I can go ahead and take a DNA test and they can tell me, well, you kind of look like this area. Great. That's not me being able to say my great, 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 great grandmother mm-hmm. or, you know, so far, so on, so far. Uh, so far. Yeah, but, I did my DNA because, and I know that it's West African. What What does that yeah, mean? And that's Nigerian, yeah. Ghanaian, like what? Yeah, yeah. I want to yeah. know exactly. Africa's a big fucking tribe. continent. Right? Yeah, I want, exactly. I want to know exactly what we can tribe. I want to know. I want to know 1,000%. Also. Because it's not, I'm not going to say it's all Africans, but any that are straight from Africa, currently, they don't really like Black Americans. Which is funny right. because Black Americans going to Africa get accepted like their family coming home. Yes, but not here. They don't like us here. Like, I'm going to be very honest. And anybody that is of African descent could definitely come up with, you know, with an alternative thought. Why, but- should, why should only white people be able to say that they're Americans or not have to put something in front of their American. Everybody else does Asian American, Mexican American, blah, 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 American. But hey, yeah. well, you if, go, if you go colonize your own continent, <laughs> uh, you then can you, do you can say what you want. <laughs> right. So, so I, have, yeah. I have a little anecdote that I can kind of share about this. Um, at the this school that I was the last school that I was working at, actually, uh, like I've said before, we have we had a very high um, uh, population of of immigrants. We would get a lot of kids who were just coming into the city um, through, you know, they'd been in in uh, in in camps or, you know, they were refugees or, you know, they were whatever. If you first are coming to Seattle and and you have lived in a different country up until this point and you have to learn English to, to get through, you are probably going through my school. So 
a lot of of immigrants from um, South and Central America and Mexico um, and a lot of African uh, uh, immigrants and refugees. And um, I used to be the the teacher that would like greet the buses in the morning and like walk the young kids in to make sure that everybody got off the bus all right and all that crap. And, you know, and, and the kids, every single one of them knew who I was, even if I didn't know who they were. And one day, one of the little girls, I believe she was in probably first grade at the time, um, she asked me if I was, are you black or are you African-American? And I said, well, I like to think that I am black. And she said, well, why do you say that? My dad says I'm African-American. And I said, well, your dad knows that his parents came from Africa. Your Mm -hmm. dad knows where he came from in Africa. You were born here. In this particular case, this particular child. It's like, you were yeah. born here. So you are both African and American. Now, I have family way, way back that was African. But it's like what you were saying, MJ. I can't tell you who they were. I can't tell mm-hmm. you their names or when wow. they lived or where they lived. I can't tell you who brought them to this country. If they came willingly. Um, I know that one branch of my family did come here willingly before uh, um, um, it c- came through Cuba, not through the slave trade, which was awesome but also, you know, had another branch of it that came through the slave trade. So, like, I am not from the country of Africa. My father was not from the country of Africa. His parents were not from the country of Africa, the the country, the continent of Africa. Thank you. I don't know why I kept saying that. Um, And because they weren't, because all of them were American, I'm American. The African part is just what white people want to put on me. Yeah. Because that's yeah. where my ancestors are from. Um, and basically just told this this child, I consider myself black because I can't name any of my African ancestors. You can name people from Africa in your family. You are African. Yeah. So yeah. like that's, that's a big difference. It's a big difference. Like I think and it's, it's about five generations back white, for me. Yeah, it's funny to say that's what white people want to put on us because yeah. you ask any white person, like most are going, no, I'm white. Where's white? Right. I have never heard of the country or the continent named white. Like, are you and, are you a white American? Yeah, yeah, right. You <laughs> no, know, you're so European like, American. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> but it's it's definitely that because yeah. I think it's a power thing. Yeah. So if you're African American, you know you're not from here. Well, no, I am. I've never known anywhere else. I wasn't mm-hmm. to my ancestors and everybody else. Hallelujah for you because I would not have made it on the boat. I would have been well, off real quick. Also, um, African American perpetuates a a misconception that every black person in America right. came from Africa. Yeah. And there were plenty or not plain, but there were black people here before the slave trade started. Yep. Like when we found out that the first person to actually owned the slave was actually black, that kind of blows up what you think of slavery and things like that as it is. So to just keep saying African-American, making it seem like the only way that black people are here is because they came from Africa. That's not, that's not a very good uh, Definitely. thing to continue. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, in that case, uh, MJ, do you have anything else you want to uh, shout out or or talk about before we sign off? No, I think that we've spoken enough for three hours and ten minutes. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This so problem, that always happens. That always happens. Yeah, you'll do it. Okay. Yeah, new but, but, yep, but just by, saying. By that. the way, and something that wasn't read in the news part that I actually wrote down in the news part was that we've gone over four thousand. Oh, I did forget uh, to say that. Yeah, we that's officially right. are over 4,000. How crazy is that? Yeah, what episode, how many episodes do we have out now? Um, I want to say with everything, it's like 40, yeah, 41. 41. That's, but so, that's with yeah. all our bonus stuff and everything. Right. 
So that's that's what I remember. Like I saw that and I was like, oh, that's yeah, it was four thousand and forty or something. Like oh, it's four thousand seventy one right now. Yeah, nice. Uh, Shout yeah. out to all the four thousand seventy one downloads. Yeah. yeah. But, um. Our let's see. Yeah. Our uh, I think we had our best month in September. Yeah. Looks like it. So, uh, out of all of them, so so far, so yeah. Well, we're I doing know good. our our social medias keep gaining people every day. Like. I, I don't pay attention to the Facebook one, but I see the notifications when new people join and I see the Twitter constantly in conversation, we, which is awesome. And yeah. what's funny about, you know, speaking of Africans, the yeah. bulk of our people that yeah. are on Facebook uh, are African. Yeah. Uh, whether like South Africa, Nigerian, I mean. <laughs> like living in the I mean, continents, yeah, yes. Exactly. So yeah, <laughs> the, a lot of that. out. I think that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Like I would like to interact more with uh, non-American listeners. I would really like to hear from non-American listeners, especially with the stupid white people questions. I really yeah. want to hear what non-Americans hear um, yeah. because black, I know that that shit happens. Yeah, I know that shit <laughs> yeah. happens everywhere. I, I, I mean, fuck. <laughs> like American uh, uh, bullshit did not originate in America. So. Bad. Fact. So love to see what level it's at in, elsewhere. So yeah. yeah. Well, shout out to everybody. We appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. All righty. I guess then we will see all of y'all uh next, next week. Next week. Uh, yeah. yeah. Love right. and light to everybody. Bye, everybody. Don't take this the wrong way, but I need you to get the hell up out of here. Hey, thanks for joining us again as we make our way through the trials and tribulations of the Freeman family. We hope to see you back again next time for Pause. Want to know where to find us on the social medias or where to subscribe to the podcast? Just head right over to www.theboondockspod.com slash links. Have a stupid white people question you want to leave us? Email us at host at theboondockspod.com or leave us a voicemail at 760-933-8636. That's 760-WE-3-UNDO. Shout out to the artists who've created our intro and outro tunes. Our intro is hashtag make a change by K-I-R-K. You can find them on Spotify, iTunes, and Tidal. Our outro is Good Times by Audio Binger. You can find them on freemusicarchive.org and YouTube.